the events in Annapolis, Maryland. And I've written down what we know about this mass shooting. Five people were murdered. An untold number were injured. It happened earlier this afternoon. Likely a shotgun, but not certain. One report said he was a white male in his 20s, as I recall. They don't know the motive, and he had no identification. That is all we know. And so, as typically happens on cable and elsewhere, they just keep regurgitating this stuff. We don't know another thing. It was a local newspaper office. So we are very mindful that this is a significant news story, real news, but also mindful that it serves no purpose for me to repeat myself for the next three hours. So we will be monitoring this to see if new news is provided by the authorities. The authorities have been very quiet about a lot of the details, and I've watched their press conferences. They've had two now. Those are the facts as we know them. Five murdered, untold numbered, injured, suspect in custody, and he used a, uh, a long barrel weapon. That's it. No, no identification. So as I say, we'll be monitoring this. As soon as we know more, you will know more. But there is an individual who already has blamed Donald Trump. Where is that, Mr. Deuce? I saw that here. Now, Bill Bratton's been a police chief in about 400 different cities. He's a big lib, and he's on MSNBC. And uh, he says Trump has compounded the problem. This is so irresponsible and horrendous. And he's questioned by Nicole Wallace, a miscreant and a malcontent, a former Republican operative. After the Kane campaign on which she worked, she trashed Sarah Palin, who she was working with, because of a class Nicole Wallace has. She's abandoned her party, abandoned her former principles if she had any. And now she is bought and paid for by MSNBC. And here she is with Bill Bratton, the former NYPD commissioner and the former commissioner of a number of cities. Cut 18, go. Commissioner um, Tom Costello and Clint Watts and Tom Winter have all uh, referenced this charged environment in which we're operating, in, 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 in which uh, journalists, and, and, and I don't know if specifically there were this climate uh, affected the journalists working at the Capitol Gazette newspaper in Annapolis where the shooting took place today, but any thoughts you have about, about the climate, about the rhetoric in this country, about news organizations? The climate makes it much more difficult uh, for law enforcement, for example, in the sense of with so many guns in this nation, more guns and people, with so many people who get so wrapped up in uh, issues, whether it's politics. Uh, we just recently saw the president again uh, attacking a CNN uh, reporter as one of the on that report. Uh, so that doesn't help matters at all in terms of directing venom uh, the hearts of the country toward the, uh, the media in this case. And it's just... Uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, you know, Bratton, you're so outrageous. You're so over the top. You don't even have all the facts. And I'm sure when Congressman Scalise was shot in Alexandria, Virginia, on that baseball diamond, I'm sure you talked about Bernie Sanders and his rhetoric and the rhetoric of the left, didn't you? And I'm sure Nicole Wallace over at MSNBC asked you that, didn't she? And the irony here is he's condemning the uh, politics and the hot language and, and allegations that are used. And there he is, using hot language and allegations, prodding of Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. Truly disgusting. These people are Disgusting, And that's that. I want to move to the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court has a purpose, and the purpose is not the left seeks to make of it. We had a long discussion about this yesterday, over two hours. Of course, I've written about it extensively and so forth as well. But I'm sure Commissioner Bratton, retired, would be very concerned about the kinds of language and hysteria coming from media types and Democrat types over the vacancy that has now, or will now soon, occur. Cut nine. Go. Elections have consequences, and today, those consequences are becoming clear. It's time for Democrats to throw down. And what I mean by that is that we've been playing by the rule book, and uh, Donald Trump and Republicans have been playing by street rules. We need to play by street rules. Well, it's definitely moving further to the right, and I think that it's becoming an arm of the Republican Party for certain. Um, we're, we're not screwed. We're, we're actually screwed for generations. Don't allow a vote in this. Don't have a hearing. Don't have a meeting. Don't let anything go forward. Don't play ball with this decision. Protection against pre-existing condition abuses is at stake. Clean air and water that you use and breathe is at stake. The future of your rights to reproduction decisions is at stake. Well, I think that we should be unafraid to play hardball. Nobody appointed Donald Trump king. Nobody makes it to the Supreme Court without going through the United States Senate. We're looking at a, a, a destruction of the Constitution of the United States. There are times to fight, and this is one of them. This may be the pull the fire alarm moment that you have been expecting. 
There you go. The rational, calm, temperate left. Can't tell the politicians from the TV host, can you? No, you can't. Time to pull the fire alarm. And here's why they want to pull the fire alarm. Because they cannot stop Donald Trump's nominee unless the Republicans help them. Unless Susan Collins and uh, a couple others help them. And they may help. Now, I want to underscore another point. These people do not believe in the Constitution, except to the extent they can advance their agenda. You heard the long list of issues that this doofus Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut put out there. So in other words, if you support a constitutionalist, you're against clean air and clean water. Are you against clean air and clean water? If you support a constitutionalist, you're against reproductive rights. Are you against reproductive rights? Does that mean abortion? Or does that mean the right to have a baby? See how they try and capture the language and position themselves? If you are for a constitutionalist on the Supreme Court, then you don't believe in uh, helping people with pre-existing conditions. So they lay out their long list, their long socialist agenda. They're now proud that they're socialists. They lay out their long socialist list. And if a nominee by a Republican president doesn't meet their litmus test of being statist, progressive, radical, then they intend to vote against them. So in other words, president who wants to nominate a constitutionalist can never count on the Democrat Party to support his nomination. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty amazing. And then these people claim the stand for you when in fact try to confer as much power and authority as they possibly can on the court. And as I said yesterday at some length, they don't view the court as a court. They view it as a Politburo, an ideological, hard-left Politburo. This is how they intend to make their gains, ultimately, in this country. And they've been very, very successful. There was actually an excellent editorial written over there at National Review. I've been really shocked at all the praise that Anthony Kennedy is getting. He doesn't deserve it. He was a terrible, terrible disappointment. And they write over there, while it is true that Justice Anthony Kennedy was a disappointment to conservatives, the observation misses the point. Kennedy did not owe conservatives decisions that they liked. What all Americans deserve from him was the conscientious application of the law. That they did not get. It is the true indictment of his time on the Supreme Court. Again and again, Kennedy made rulings that aggrandized the power of the court and of himself as its swing justice. No justice, right or left, was more willing to substitute his judgment for that of elected officials and voters. No justice was less willing to tie himself down to clear rules or a legal philosophy that would constrain him in future cases, let alone rules or a philosophy that bore a plausible relation to the Constitution. We move toward a system of government no founder intended, in which his whim determined policy on a vast range of issues. Some of Kennedy's critics said that Kennedy had set himself up as our philosopher king, but the term suggests a level of sophistication and thought that he did not evidence. Trademark of a Kennedy opinion was a verbal effusion that gestured toward profundity without overcoming confusion. Most notoriously, he used an abortion case to opine that at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Now, nobody who ratified the Constitution or its relevant amendments thought in such terms, nor would any of it be a legal defense against a parking ticket. Kennedy's lack of real guiding principles, the happy consequence that he sometimes voted for the right legal outcome, and even sometimes concurred in opinions that reached the right outcome for the right reasons. But we hope that his successor will have a much stronger sense of what fidelity to the law requires. And any plausible Trump nominee will be an improvement. So they're celebrating Kennedy. Even the president celebrated Kennedy. The president, I think, celebrated Kennedy because Kennedy decided, and in this he's a patriot, that he would retire during Trump's watch. That's it. Otherwise, in terms of a Supreme Court justice, he will fade away. Lewis Powell faded away. Like Potter Stewart faded away. No offense. And uh, we need a strong constitutionalist on the Supreme Court. We don't need politicians. We don't need referees. We need constitutionalists. People on the court to do their job. And it drives the left nuts. They think they own the Supreme Court. And as I said, they view it as their Politburo. But it's not. The Supreme Court belongs to you and me. The Joe Biden rule, you shouldn't be voting on a Supreme Court nominee in the last year of a presidency. They supported that. Then they opposed it. Now they support even more than that. That you shouldn't vote on a on a justice nominee before a midterm election. So if you really take them at face value, which is hard to do, you shouldn't vote on a justice nominee the year before a midterm election, and you shouldn't vote on a justice nominee the year before a presidential election. So you have a very narrow window in which you can vote on a justice nominee, right? The Democrats should be utterly and completely ignored and their arguments rejected. We know they own the media. We know, unfortunately, they own the language due to the fecklessness of the opposition. But one vote or two votes, the Republicans control the Senate. And the Democrats are now focused on Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. You also have Jeff Flake floating around out there who could be problematic, as well as the other Flake, Bob Corker. If the Republicans can hold their numbers, they will get whatever nominee the president sends to the United States Senate. If it were Barack Obama in Trump's shoes, and the Democrats had a one-vote majority in the Senate, even McCain's situation, uh, there'd be no question he would get whatever he wants. But we have Benedict Arnold's and we have Betty Arnold's who are more than happy to undermine this president, as was John, excuse me, John McCain when it came to the repeal of Obama. And we need to keep this in mind. So the weight is now on Mitch McConnell and the others in the Republican 
Republican leadership to make sure they can rally all their troops to one of the nominees that is going to come off the list, the excellent list that the president together prior to the campaign. You know, President Trump, I'm putting t- together that list, quite frankly, to try to appeal to conservatives who were on the fence and they got off the fence and voted for him, was one of the most gutsy, transparent things any presidential candidate has done. He says, look, I'm elected president, I'm picking from this list. I'm elected president, I'm picking from this list. So all the people on that list become targets. Trump says, fine. I want my voters to know, or my would-be voters to know, I'm quite serious about this issue. And he has done a tremendous job up and down the judiciary of nominating constitutionalists. Some are more perfect than others, but that's the nature of the beast. And on the left, they keep revealing themselves. And we need to keep pointing out that they're revealing themselves. They will not tolerate a nominee who is not aggressively pro-abortion in the most radical position on abortion. They will not tolerate a nominee who will not embrace same-sex marriage as a federal constitutional issue. They will go through their long list of social issues, their long list of economic issues, their long list of other issues, because it's as if they're interviewing a candidate who's running for office. Whereas we, we want to know if they're going to uphold the Constitution. That's the big difference. Get softer from time to time. Are a relative handful of... Uh, Senators. Congressmen, too, but senators. Collins and Murkowski are being targeted by the Democrats. And this is a well-known fact. It's an NBC News reporting. Within hours of yesterday's retirement announcement from Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy, two moderate Republican women in the Senate. See, they're moderates. If you're conservative, you're a right-winger. But if you're a liberal Republican, you're a moderate. And this is what the media do. Uh, they became an important focus of Democrats seeking to prevent Donald Trump from appointing a new justice who could reshape the court for decades to come. Keep something mind. Gorsuch was nominated to fill Scalia's seat, and whomever the president nominates will be filling Kennedy's seat. And they're going nuts on the left because they think they own every seat. My view is we put in the best candidate we possibly can, regardless of their objections. And we hope that one or two others retire as well. That's the goal. With little power to defeat a nominee outright on their own, Democrats began to look at Senators Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. Again, this word moderate. Both are moderates who support abortion rights. And they are likely to face growing pressure should Trump put forward a conservative nominee who might threaten to severely curb those rights. Senate Democrats are happy to lead that charge. So you have it all ginned up by the pseudo-media. Here's two women. They're moderates. They support abortion rights. Now, this is a strange term, abortion rights. Abortions don't have rights. An abortion is a procedure. A women's rights. Is that what they mean? Women's rights? I could have sworn we just spent two weeks arguing children should not be separated from their parents. That to do so is like the Third Reich. And yet I keep hearing that abortion is a choice. And yet that is a final decision when it comes to one life, the baby. Abortion on demand, partial birth abortion, abortion in the last weeks of a pregnancy. They don't want to talk about science now, do they? They want to talk about rights and choices. What about science? Better and better and better. I thought they believed in science, climate change, science, that we're the deniers. Well, why do they deny the science when it comes to procreation and pregnancy and babies? The science is abundant. It's indisputable. They don't deny it's indisputable. They just ignore it. And that is the problem with Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. And the Democrats try and position them as anti-choice for women. And they will inundate them inundate with them with emails and phone calls and so forth and so on. They'll work flake. They'll work corker. But it goes on. The pressure is expected to be more intense now than it was during the confirmation of Justice Neil Gorsuch. This is not merely a prediction, ladies and gentlemen. This is a call to arms by the media, whom both Collins and Murkowski voted for. Since then, both GOP senators have bucked their party on critical issues, including on repealing the Affordable Care because Kennedy was considered the swing vote on many hot-button issues, including cases related to Roe v. Wade. His replacement will alter the balance of the high court. And so it's treated as if this is a political committee, not a constitutional institution. Political committee, not a constitutional institution. Just two hours after Kennedy's retirement announcement, Collins reiterated her stance, saying that recognizing the precedent of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 law that legalized abortion, remains an important qualification for any nominee. I view Roe v. Wade as being settled law. It's clearly precedent, and I always look for judges who respect precedent. Really? Tell me, was Dred Scott precedent that you would respect? How about Plessy versus Ferguson? How about Korematsu? How stupid is this argument? That if the court rules, then forevermore, every court must embrace what the court said. Even if that court is an abomination. Even if that court gets it wrong. These are men and women of flesh and blood, and they do get things wrong. Just because they have black robes, and they're in a very pretty building, and they're cloistered in their conference rooms, doesn't mean they're not flawed human beings. And Collins and Murkowski don't even believe what they're saying. They don't believe in precedent in all cases.
cases. Court were to rule that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. Would Susan Collins then say, that's settled law, I believe in judicial precedent? Of course not. Kowski released a statement saying her standards for a Supreme Court nominee are extremely high. It's my long-standing practice to carefully scrutinize the qualifications of judicial nominees and to cast an independent vote when judicial nominations come before the Senate. Well, really, then how did Ruth Bader Ginsburg get on the Supreme Court? She's a radical leftist, former general counsel of the American Criminal Liberties Union. How is it that any Republican could vote for Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Sotomayor or Kagan? Let's just take those three and not vote for a constitutionalist. How is that possible? And yet it is. Collins said, uh, let's see, Trump said during the campaign that he would nominate justices who would overturn Roe v. Wade, but during his Senate confirmation hearing, Gorsuch characterized Roe v. Wade as the law of the land. And any nominee who Trump sends up to the Hill should say the same thing, because at least now it is the law of the land. It's the law of the land. But if a case comes up that's worthy of review, it needs to be reviewed. And here's the kicker. Even though they keep bringing up abortion and Roe v. Wade, they're never going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Certainly not with uh, Chief Justice John Roberts. That's just not going to happen. So it's fear-mongering. Now, read the Constitution. You won't find the word abortion in there. You won't find the words abortion rights in there. You won't find the word choice in there when it comes to this issue. And yet now, <clears throat> this is the national litmus test. Collins said that after meeting with him, that is Gorsuch, extensively during his confirmation process, Gorsuch told her that a good judge presumes that the president is correct. Kalski said that she decided to vote for him after much reflection. Gorsuch, now here's NBC, but Gorsuch's confirmation didn't shift the balance of the court. Kennedy was often the deciding judge in 5-4 decisions, and his decisions were often unpredictable. So in other words, we can tolerate maybe four constitutionalists, but that's it. After that, the status progressive agenda must be upheld. The fact that the Supreme Court has nationalized and seized for itself the power to make these decisions rather than the people, rather than the states, must be protected at all costs, according to senators. Senate expert and American Enterprise Institute scholar Norman Ornstein, this guy has been a rash in Washington, D.C. forever. He's a liberal. Called it a litmus test moment for the two senators. So here they are putting the pressure on. He said the Supreme Court nomination is the true litmus test for Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. Listen to this. Will they continue to put party over the things they profess to believe and vote to confirm a justice who will blow up every remaining protection for women? I wish I were optimistic. That will blow up every remaining protection for women? Everything defined and viewed in the eyes of the status progressive. And so it's really a 50-49 advantage for Republicans under the circumstances uh, given McCain's illness. In addition to abortion, they go on. Democrats also plan to home in on health care in any fight against the nominee, a senior Democrat aide said, as the court is expected to take up cases pertaining to access to health care and the Affordable Care Act. Both Collins and Murkowski were decisive votes in sinking the Republicans' attempt to repeal Obamacare last year. This is why primaries are important, folks. This is why primaries are important. You've got Collins and Murkowski. They are never reprimanded the way a Cruz would be and so forth when they step out and they step out all the time. The Senate should reject on a bipartisan basis any justice who would overturn Roe v. Wade or undermine key health care protections, Schumer said on the Senate floor. So in other words, President nominates somebody who says they will be and have a history of being faithful to the Constitution. That's not the test. test is the litmus test that the radical left lays out and the fear-mongering of the radical left on all their hot-button issues. What you want from a Supreme Court nominee. It's always what the left wants, what the media want, Democrat base wants, what the Republican outliers want. It's never what you want. On how many of these cable shows, on how many of these cable channels, on how many of these network channels or satellite channels, even radio, even conservative radio, is the discussion about what you, we, want on the Supreme Court. We don't want anything extraordinary, although it seems more and more extraordinary. We just want somebody who's pretty damn smart who can fight, protect our institutions, our beliefs, our principles, our customs, our traditions. Somebody who's going to uphold the Constitution. This is never discussed on CNN. This is never discussed on MSNBC. Instead, whenever there's a guest who may not be a radical left-wing kook, question, don't you support abortion rights? Don't you support same-sex marriage? Don't you support Obamacare? What about pre-existing conditions? Like we're having a presidential debate. It's not a presidential debate. These are judges, these justices. And they have an obligation. They don't take an oath to the Democrat Party. They don't take an oath to the progressive agenda. They don't take an oath to uphold abortion or same-sex marriage. They take an oath to uphold the Constitution. This is never discussed. We are on constant defense. Well, what's this Susan Collins going to do and Murkowski? Oh, they put out statements on abortion. Wow, good for them. How about putting out statements on the Constitution and that you insist that a nominee show fidelity to the Constitution, not to some Supreme Court decision, to the Constitution. And it is damn well time that we insist on it and stop playing defense and stop standing on our heels. We insist that Susan Collins support a nominee who will uphold the Constitution as written. You want to change it? Amend it. You don't amend it? You don't change it. That's the way it's supposed to work. I'm making the case that we need to make the case. Right
right now better than any time for the Constitution. And that we demand that if some man or woman is going to serve on this court for the rest of their professional careers, that they don't meet some progressive radical status litmus tests and their agenda, they uphold our Constitution through our Supreme Court. This is our country and our government. Doesn't belong to Kamala Harris solely and exclusively. Doesn't belong to Chris uh, Matthews solely and exclusively. Doesn't belong to the left solely and exclusively. Their agenda is not the Constitution's agenda. If they want to litigate a case and bring it to the Supreme Court, so be it. The judges are not supposed to prejudge. Justices are not supposed to prejudge. And right out of the box, they're going to support the leftist agenda. So that means whatever case is brought in your town, in your state, or nationally, by any group or by any individual who wants to challenge progressive agenda, is violating a law, or is unconstitutional, the fix is in. That's what the left wants. The fact is, Kennedy, Anthony Kennedy, was not a swing vote when it came to abortion. He was a reliable left-wing vote. He was not a swing vote when it came to same-sex marriage. He led the charge on the most important immigration issue that had come up guarding Arizona. He wrote the opinion. He led the charge on these cases. Then a swing vote. He was the wrong vote from a constitutional perspective. So you want constitutionalists on the Supreme Court, not liberals, not conservatives, not independents. Kamala Harris cracked me up the other day. She's such a moron, and she thinks you are too. She said, we need we need a candidate, a, a candidate that we can all agree on. Does that sound like bomb thrower Kamala, Kamala Harris? No, this is our turn. It's our turn to try and straighten things out. They don't have a, an exclusive ownership over Supreme Court seats. All that nonsense. And the media, of course, plugging their agenda. Forget it. We don't care what their position is on their issues. We want a constitutionalist. It's that simple. That a Trump nomination off that list of 25, which is now 24 since Gorsuch got on the court, if they do not carry that nomination through a confirmation so that individual can be installed as a justice, they are utterly and completely useless. That's how important this is. If Susan Collins and Murkowski or Corker or Flake or anybody of that sort sabotages this, we must never, ever forget it. We've reached a sad point in this country. It didn't happen today, but we've reached a sad point in this country where the Supreme Court, I wrote an entire book on this called Men in Black, has seized power unto itself. Started with Marbury versus Madison. Now, when I took that position in 2005 in writing Men in Black, I was heavily criticized, including by libertarians and conservatives, on the notion of judicial review. Judicial review is not in the Constitution. It's an implied power. It's a necessary power, and therefore it is a power that should be exercised with extreme caution and care. Of course, what the status progressives have done is they've taken judicial review and have used it to amend our Constitution, and that's what's going on here. It's not a party of the people, the Democrat Party. They don't even try to pass amendments to the Constitution by two-thirds of both chambers and send it out to the, con- to the people, let alone Articles uh, Convention of the States, Article 5. Completely bypass that process and seek to have five justices impose their will on the rest of the nation. We have an ongoing con- constitutional convention in the Supreme Court. That's what it is. Every time they meet, it's a constitutional convention. So unmoored are we from the constitutional construct that it makes it incredibly important every single time there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court. It is a grotesque state of affairs that is a grave danger to a republic. This is where we are. So we struggle over this. And when there's a vacancy, when you have a Republican president and a Republican Senate, I don't care if it's by one vote or a hundred. The fact of the matter is you must use whatever lawful and legitimate processes are in place to install a constitutional because otherwise we will have complete and utter judicial tyranny we've got much of that right now but we will have compl- you know we're happy look at the supreme court ruled five before this we won they were ruled five before the we won we won we sit on the edge of our chairs every june hoping they don't screw up and more times than not they do it's not even a matter of whether you agree with mark or not it's a matter of whether you take your responsibilities as a judge seriously or whether you think you're a philosopher king these men and women are flesh and blood they want to run for office they should run for office the Democrats have put down a marker. They have now said if President Trump doesn't nominate the likes of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they're going to fight it. Okay, they've drawn the line. Now now the battle begins. But just know, your battle is righteous. Theirs is tyrannical. We are right. They are wrong. Our position is good. Their position is bad. You're not pushing for an outcome-determinative choice. You're pushing for a constitutionalist to uphold and interpret the Constitution. They are pushing for a radical activist. And they insist. Listen, when you hear this debate right now on, on, on news shows and so forth and talk shows, you don't hear the left say, I want somebody who's going to uphold the Tenth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, this article of the Constitution, this article. You don't even hear it. It's abortion, same-sex marriage, Obamacare, uh, immigration. So they're basically saying if the nominee does not embrace a Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi agenda, then they're not qualified. They're not even qualified to sit on the Supreme Court. Those individuals I mentioned never say 
say, or certainly haven't said. Well, what about this section of the Constitution? This section, and then there's a bigger irony: these status progressives, their ideology is incompatible constitutional republicanism. I wrote an entire book on this: rediscovering Americanism in the theory of progressivism. Whether it was Dewey or whether it was Woodrow Wilson, or you can name them all, they needed to figure out how to get around the Constitution structure, and they came up with a term: living and breathing. Constitution is like a, a human body; it has organs, and you can't separate the heart from the liver and the liver from the lungs, it'll die. So it needs to be a holistic body. Government needs to be a holistic body. Somebody has to make decisions. We can't have these disparate governmental entities with diverse decisions. And that has been their agenda ever since. And that's our agenda now. Well, the problem with that is, that is a direct attack on a limited government, separation of powers, constitutional system. So when the Democrats argue that here's our agenda, we insist. We insist as a prerequisite that if the nominee doesn't embrace our agenda, they're not qualified. And then they say, as Kamala Harris said to Chris Matthews that a Trump nomination will destroy the Constitution. Their entire ideology is about destroying the Constitution. Their entire agenda is about destroying the Constitution and replacing it with some undefined or ill-defined blueprint for a completely different society to transform America. We need to get into this debate. We cannot allow the media and the Democrats and the Republican outliers to define it. This is not a nomination about abortion. This is not a nomination about same-sex marriage. This is not an about a nomination about Obamacare. This is a nomination about the Constitution. Faithful or not. Faithful, thumb up, not thumb down. And any Republican who voted for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but would not or will not vote for whomever Donald Trump nominates off that excellent list, is a disgrace and doesn't even belong, in my view, as a rational person or, or, or shouldn't be, be viewed as a rational person as a United States Senator. It's absolutely outrageous. All right, I've said my piece. We'll take some of your calls. But before we do, Alexandria Casio-Cortez, did we reach out to her, Mr. Producer? So we've asked her to come on the program. The 28-year-old Democratic Socialist of America, who's been everywhere, will not come on the Mark Levin show. They're so gutless. These Marxists, these socialists, they are so gutless. From Bernie Sanders on down, they want favorable hosts, favorable reporters interviewing them, throwing them softballs so they can go on with their propaganda. And I want to cut through it. They won't allow it. Here's a montage. You remember Dave Brack got elected. He upset, what was the guy's name? Eric Cantor, believe it or not. Out of sight, out of mind. Said Eric Cantor. Now, I want you to listen to how he was treated, Dave Brack. And then I want you to listen how Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is celebrated. Hat tip, Washington Free Beacon. But this is informative about our wonderful pseudo-media. Cut 12, go. So like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Abdul El-Sayed is gaining popularity as a Democrat with a bold progressive platform that some say is simply socialism. Some wacky turns in politics. The big shocker, of course, Eric Cantor being unseated by a little-known arch-conservative. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, thank you as well. Congratulations. So Up next, thank you very much. From one badass woman to a full list of badass women. Thank Eric Cantor understands what free markets are. And he picked up high-profile support in the form of far-right Republican pundits like Mark Levin and Laura Ingram. I mean, she did something super impressive, but wow, the yeah. just the, the chops in that yeah. conversation um, really fascinating to see. Brittany really couldn't articulate answers to even the most basic policy questions, as Dave Bratt proved himself in his disastrous first round of television interviews today. Whatever people think of your politics, mm -hmm. uh, your tenacity and passion are something everyone should uh, be excited about and proud of. So do you think it's time to throw in the towel and just put in the most conservative person you can possibly find find in the house since that would that's what the election seemed to show a woman who ran one of the most one of the most incredibly impressive campaigns honestly in recent memory it's a humanitarian crisis that the drudge report has blown up into a full right-wing panic in which david bratt himself citing Drudge used against Cantor right up through Election Day. This campaign was smart. Yes, she is a democratic socialist, um, but she really did in her viral campaign ad play the idea of working class. When you get these very low turnout primaries in, that people aren't paying any attention to, they can be easily hijacked by activists. It's about being cannibalized by their far right, and that's what happened last night. Boom! It's Friday the 13th. It's a pretty fitting end to a horror show week for the Republican Party. In the wake of Eric Cantor's stunning loss. Mm-hmm. Get it? So you have a Democratic Socialist crackpot who doesn't have the guts to come on this show. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, celebrated by the media, essentially ignoring her positions or embracing her positions, but celebrated either way. You know, Dave Bratt, who's a traditional conservative who believes in living a government, constitution, and capitalism, and he's far right, a right-winger. What are you going to do, just throw down and elect conservatives? Your media, your pseudo-media, which is really a aggressive mouthpiece. And speaking of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's on CNN today. They love her. 
They love her. Cut 13. John Berman, dumb as a doorknob. Go. You are a democratic socialist. You can see how Republicans will bring that up. What's your response? Well, you know, I think that uh, we've seen that the American people, the vast majority of American people, believed in... Now, keep in mind, she got a little less than 17,000 votes. I think when I ran for the school board in my township when I was in law school several decades ago, I think I got more votes than she did. Anyway, go ahead. I care for all. They believe that we should have public college and trade school. They believe that we should elevate the minimum wage. And, you know, I think it's, it's easy for Republicans to start yelling out labels in order to be divisive. Well, we're not yelling out Hitler or Eva Braun or, you know, Nazi concentration camps or Japanese internment or that the president is a liar or that, uh, you know, we haven't yelled out any of the typical left-wing liberal crap words. Go ahead. At the end of the day, I believe that our legislative priorities are completely in line and reflective with the majority. Well, I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I am thrilled to have this 28-year-old setting national policy. Hey, you know what? What? Hey, Medicare for everybody. Oh, cool. Public college and trade school for everybody for free. Oh, health care free for everybody. Oh, look at that. Uh, elevate the minimum wage. Get rid of the student loans. Oh, 28-year-old. Absolutely brilliant. Celebrate her, shall we? If she were writing a term paper in fifth grade and said all that stuff, you'd flunk her. You'd make her repeat fifth grade. But in the Democrat Party, this is the future. An idiot. College and trade schools for everybody. I, I think there should be... Medicare for everybody. I I, I think uh, we should eliminate uh, the student loans for everybody. I think we should let anybody who wants to come into the country come into the country. I I, I really do. See, what else? I think we should tax the rich. Yes, tax the rich. And then uh, what else should we do, Bernie? Yes, yes. Well, aren't aren't you a good little Marxist? Oh, yes, you are. This is the future of the Democrat Party, don't you know? What? A fifth grade understanding of economics? Hey, Daddy. Hey, Daddy. I I want a lollipop. Well, okay, okay, honey. Here's a lollipop. Hey, uh, dad, daddy. What? I, I want some Hershey Kisses. Oh, 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 okay. Daddy, daddy. What? I, I would like an ice cream. Oh, okay, okay, honey. Daddy, dad. That's enough, kid. Money doesn't grow on trees, you know. Besides, it's unhealthy. This is what we're dealing with. Bernie. Kamala. Uh, Alexandra. And then we have the media celebrating it. You know, whatever you think about democratic socialism. <laughs> whatever you think about Isn't she special? Wow. She got almost 17,000 votes and upset this big fat slur. Bob Crowley, who's been hanging around like a bad rash forever, who barely campaigned. Look at this. This is a tidal wave. Whatever you think about her policies, you know, don't worry about that. Isn't she amazing? No, not at all. She's another loser leftist. Whether she's 28, whether it's some guy who's 48, they vote the same way, they think the same way. They're irrational. It's irrational. And it's dangerous. These people would pose a police state on us. Steal the property from certain Americans, give it to other Americans, rile up the base. Don't you have a right to free this? Don't you have a right to free that? And isn't that guy over there who's making a lot of money standing in your way? Go get him! Go get him! Go get his money! I'm telling you. And then they worry about Trump going to do, uh, nominate somebody to the Supreme Court who won't uphold our rights? What right? You mean those in the Declaration and manifested in the Constitution? No, not those rights! Supreme Court precedent! You mean Dred Scott? No, not that one! Plessy versus Ferguson? Not that one! Cormatsu? Not that one! Which one? The ones we like. See, they don't believe in precedent and stare decisis they believe in radicalism and where the court has ruled the way they like it that's what you follow two hours from now by my calculation 9 30 p.m eastern time 6 30 p.m pacific uh, i do know my clock i will be on hannity tv on the fox news channel i failed to mention that at the top of the last hour so i'm mentioning it now you won't want to miss it i can't miss it i'm going to be there and i do that segment from the uh, levin tv studios our ronald reagan studios as we like to call them uh, so uh, i hope you'll watch us i'm sure it'll be great i suspect it'll be about the supreme court and the hearing today what hearing today well we're going to get into that now and i'll get to your calls matter of fact let me get to some calls because people have been waiting and then we'll get into some of this hearing because some of it was quite uh, revealing I thought our man uh, Ron DeSantis was outstanding Trey Gowdy always good on the hearings and on the speeches a little less so when it comes to actual substance but he was good Jim Jordan took the cake in trying to press Rosenstein and so we'll hear from all three of them um, in just a moment before we do I want to hear from some of you okay look the election of Donald Trump we wouldn't have the occasion of a nomination uh, for the Supreme Court Neil Gorsuch wouldn't be on the court 
whomever the president nominates wouldn't be nominated. We'd have Hillary Clinton, who would no doubt try and pack the court with Ruth Bader Ginsburg types. And I suspect you'd have a couple Republicans like Collins and Murkowski who would go along with it. So you would see that. You would see all the courts up and down, the circuit courts, the district courts would be fundamentally altered. Uh, you would have had eight years of Obama and then four years of Hillary on top of that. The regulations that Obama put in place would be cemented into place and then added on to by Hillary Clinton, who would want to build her radical left uh, progressive status uh, legacy. You would have that going on, too. You would have a complete cover-up of what's taken place at the highest levels of our government with the FBI and some of our intelligence agencies, which uh, uh, which would never come to light. Never come to light. When you look at our foreign policy, uh, Jerusalem would not have been recognized as the capital of Israel. Our embassy would not have been moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Um, uh, when you look at Iran, the Iran deal would continue. Uh, rather than the Iranian uh, Islamo-Nazi regime now trying to uh, rebuild its economy and its currency, which are collapsing, they're in the midst of collapsing, uh, we would be pouring more and more uh, of our business dollars into that regime. <coughs> North Korea, even though things are not going as planned, uh, it's like Little Rocket Man is at it again, and that needs to be addressed, quite frankly. Uh, but that said, uh, Hillary Clinton would have uh, capitulated to them, China, Russia, all of them. We know this because she was Secretary of State when Obama did those things. What else do we know? We know Hillary Clinton would work from the inside to destroy the Electoral College. We know that they would work from the inside to uh, destroy gerrymandering. I'm not a big fan of gerrymandering, but I'm not a big fan of government interfering in determining congressional districts either. So no matter what you look at, no matter how you look at it, the world will be a very different place. And so it was very important uh, that Hillary not get elected and that Donald Trump be elected. And he's been a far better president than a lot of people thought. A lot of people thought he would be great, and you got to give them credit for that. But he's been far better than a lot of people thought. Look, I disagree with him on trade. Everybody knows that. A big deal. When you look at his entire record, it is a really excellent record. He's hilarious. He's smart. He's substantive. He's part of CRTV, by the way. And uh, on the occasions he asked me to come on, I'm happy to do it. And he's just he's just terrific. And we have a lot of young guys and gals like this. I'm not saying they're all the same. Crowder is a really a standout uh, coming up behind us. And I think that's a very, very good thing. It's number one. Number two, see, your party has changed. There used to be, as you say, we used to call them bull weevils during the Reagan administration. And these were Democrats who were not radicals. They were not democratic socialists. They didn't believe in open borders. They believed in national sovereignty, where we would tend to disagree with them as on taxes and, and the size of government. They were pro-military and pro-law enforcement and so forth and so on. Many of them were, were anti-abortion and pro-life. And very few elected Democrats uh, uh, are that anymore because they purified their party. They purified their party. They, they push out anybody <coughs> who uh, isn't part of their groupthink. And that's the intolerance of the radical left. And that's what they've done. Their policies are nonsensical. That is why it's so important to find more and more uh, potential leaders, not these schlubs uh, in the Republican Party, most of them, uh, but real leaders who are capable of articulating our positions and comparing them to their positions, which tend to be insane. Anyway, my friend, I want to thank you for your call. You couldn't be more correct. Oh, yes. We don't want to forget that. Okay. Let me tell you about, I'm trying, Mr. Producer, and my computer froze. can send it, but I can't read it. Hold on a second here. All right, let's take another call while I'm uh, struggling here. Let's see. Ah, uh, boy, my internet is just the worst. Let's go to Dean. Live off of the, 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 the benefits of capitalism who preach uh, socialism. You, you know how I view it? Killing the golden goose. That's what these people support. Killing the golden goose. And before you've killed the golden goose, you can milk it for everything it's worth, steal the uh, the golden eggs and so forth, uh, before people even recognize what you've done. You know, my listener was in deep with the back taxes to the IRS, roughly 15 grand, and he couldn't pay it. Just a matter of time until they garnished his wages and seized his bank account. Umpteen times he'd heard me mention Optima Tax Relief and how Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection. And umpteen times he started to call and then stopped. Finally, he did, and it was the best call he could have made. Tax experts at Optima qualified him for the Fresh Start Initiative. A special IRS program saved him thousands, put his tax debt to rest. Optima has resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients. They're rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. When you're ready to put your IRS crisis behind you, the harassment, the stress, the letters, the phone calls, one call can start the process to solve it all. Call my trusted friends at Optima Tax Relief at 800-499-6300. It's 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Suzanne, Detroit, Michigan, Sirius Satellite, go! Yes, hi. Um, I, I you know what? I blew it. I, I mismanaged the clock. I'll tell you what, Suzanne. You wait. Next hour, I will get back to you, Mr. Call Screener. Hold on to our friend, Suzanne. Don't forget Hannity on the Fox News Channel, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I will be there. Yours truly. 
the uh, bulk of the matter, the uh, bottom line. Uh, the newspaper, the Gazette there, the local paper was targeted. The people were targeted. That's all we know. We don't know why. Um, we know five fatalities, two superficial injuries, according to the deputy chief. And that's the new information, uh, that it was targeted. And they do know who he is now because he didn't have identification. And they are clearly uh, securing his house and getting a search warrant to go through the house. So they're going by the book. They're painting by the numbers. That's what you have to do in a case like this in order to build your case very carefully and gather the evidence uh, without any screw-ups. And it sounds like they're doing exactly that. That's all we have. That's all I know. There was a hearing today. The House Judiciary Committee it was quite a hearing. And uh, you had our buddy Louis Gomer. You had our buddy Ron DeSantis, who just finished a wonderful debate against this phony Adam Putnam. Trey Gowdy did very well. Jim Jordan hit it out of the park. Now, keep in mind, the reason why these members are frustrated is because over a period of many, many, many months, they have sought documentation. Now, if you listen to Rosenstein and Ray and the media and the Democrats, everything they want is classified. Everything they want is grand jury. Everything they want will reveal uh, uh, techniques and so forth and ruin investigations and so forth. That's not true. What has happened is these members of Congress who are very serious, or those who are serious about getting to the bottom of these issues, they've been uh, they've been getting head fake after head fake after head fake. So you have redactions of information that should never have been redacted. You have the withholding of information that should never have been withheld. You have the withholding of documents that should never have been withheld. So they cannot take Justice Department and the FBI are, are doing it face value. And after all, they're trying to investigate the Department of Justice and the FBI, the senior level. So here's a back and forth between uh, Ron DeSantis, who I've endorsed for governor of Florida and in the uh, Republican primary. I mean, he's absolutely outstanding. And Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general. Cut one, go. August 8th, 2016, text message in the IG report from Lisa Page to Peter Strzok. Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? Peter Strzok responds, no. No, he's not. We'll stop it. Now, the Justice Department had previously provided text messages from that date. They included all the messages we now have except the we'll stop it text message. Why didn't the Justice Department produce that to Congress when we asked? Mr. DeSantis, uh, I spoke with our Inspector General Michael Horwitz yesterday, and he told me that when he testified, uh, he didn't have a full opportunity to explain, uh, and uh, the technological details are pretty complicated, but he assured me he had had a long telephone conversation with Mr. Jordan after the hearing uh, and explained it. Uh, he's much better positioned than I. What I can assure you... So let me just ask well, this then. Let me say this. Explain, sir, I want to assure you and the American people, we're not withholding anything embarrassing. The message was not in uh, the original material that Inspector General... He, he found these messages? Right. So he, you guys didn't find it, and he did. And so we're asking you to produce stuff, and obviously, you know, we're expecting a good faith effort. You guys didn't find it, and maybe somebody else deleted or something happened before you guys, but he was able to find it and you didn't. So it was very disappointing to see that text message there, because I think you would agree. Just think of the timeline here. You have Peter Strzok. He opens up the counterintelligence investigation against Trump's campaign the end of July. Then a week later, this text message, he ain't going to be president. We'll stop it. Then the next week, the infamous insurance policy text message where he says, we can't take the risk of a Trump presidency. You need an insurance policy. The American people see that. Doesn't that undermine the whole integrity of the actions of people like Peter Strzok? Yes, Congressman, that uh, obviously is highly inappropriate. Okay. Trey Gowdy and Rosenstein. Katu, go. At precisely the same time, Bob Mueller was appointed. Precisely the same time, Peter Strzok was talking about his unfinished business and how he needed to fix and finish it so Donald Trump did not become president. He was talking about impeachment within three days of special counsel Mueller being appointed. Three days. That's even quicker than MSNBC and the Democrats were talking about impeaching. Within three days, the lead FBI agent is talking about impeaching the president. So this is where we are. We're two years into this investigation. We're a year and a half into the presidency. We're over a year into special counsel. You have a counterintelligence investigation that's become public. You have a criminal investigation that's become political. You have more bias than I have ever seen manifest in a law enforcement officer in the 20 years I used to do it for a living. And four other DOJ employees who had manifest animus towards the person they were supposed to be neutrally and detachedly investigating. Democrats are using this investigation as a presumption of guilt, which I, I find astonishing. And in the long run for the health of this republic, I would encourage them to go back to the presumption of innocence that we used to hold sacred. There's a presumption of guilt. There's a desire by Democrat senators to fundraise off of your investigation. More than 60 Democrats have already voted to proceed with impeachment before Bob Mueller has found a single solitary damn thing. More than 60 have voted to move forward with impeachment. And he hasn't presented his first finding. But 
he will, Congressman Gowdy. Because Bob Mueller is a fraud. So he will. Trey Gowdy continues. Cut three, go. So I'm going to say this to you, Mr. Ray, Mr. Rosenstein. I realize that neither one of you were there when this happened, but you're both there now. Uh, Russia attacked this country. They should be the target. But Russia isn't being hurt by this investigation right now. We are. This country is being hurt by it. We are being divided. We've seen the bias. We've seen the bias. We need to see the evidence. If you have evidence of wrongdoing by any member of the Trump campaign, present it to the damn grand jury. If you have evidence that this president acted inappropriately, present it to the American people. Uh, There's an old saying that justice delayed is justice denied. I think right now all of us are being denied. Whatever you got, finish it the hell up. Because this country is being torn apart. Either the witnesses care to respond to the... I would not simply respond, Mr. Gowdy. I certainly share your views about those text messages and uh, nobody is more offended than I about what's reflected in those messages. With regard to the investigation, uh, I've heard suggestions that we should just close the investigation. I think the best thing we can do is finish it appropriately and reach a conclusion. And I certainly agree with you, sir. People should not jump to conclusions without seeing the evidence. I've been the victim of fake news attacks myself, so I'm sympathetic. I agree with you, sir. Uh, There's been no allegation made by the Department of Justice or the special counsel other than what's reflected in those documents that are filed publicly, the charged folks. Nobody should draw any conclusions beyond those charges. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, Then we have Jim Jordan, and you don't want to miss this. Jim Jordan and Rosens, and I want to salute Jim Jordan, but I can't play it until we come back because the clock says I have to break. We'll be right. Here's the back and forth. Cut four. Go. Mr. Rosenstein, why are you keeping information from Congress? I'm not keeping any information from Congress that it's appropriate. In a few minutes, Mr. Rosenstein, think the House of Representatives is going to say something different. I don't agree with you, Congressman. I don't believe that's what they're going to say, and if they do, they'll be mistaken. I disagree, but I think think in a few minutes the House of Representatives is going to go on record saying you haven't complied with requests from a separate and equal branch of government, that you haven't complied with subpoenas, and you got seven days to get your act together. I think that's what's going to happen in a few and that's just not, that's not Jim Jordan. I think that's the House, I think that's the majority of the House of Representatives in just a few minutes I think that's going to happen. And I want to know why you won't give us what we've asked for. Sir, I certainly hope that uh, your colleagues are not under that impression. Uh, that is not accurate, sir. And you, it is accurate. We have caught you hiding Mr. information. Mr. Chairman, can we allow the witness time. to answer? Mr. Chairman, point of order. We can go to Mr. Jordan's press conference and listen to him, but we came here to hear from the, the witnesses. Time belongs to the gentleman. Mr. Rosenstein, can we allow him to answer. We have caught you hiding information. To allow him to answer. He will be permitted I to answer, answer when Jordan. Mr. Jordan. Why do we have them? By the way, notice how the Democrats interrupt because they're special pleaders for corruption. Kind of happy that uh, the Obama administration was spying on Trump world. They're kind of happy about the abuse of the FISA court. Kind of like Peter Stroke and his girlfriend Paige. Kind of like them. They like Comey now. They hated him before, but they like him now. Same with McCabe. He was a good leaker. So the ends justify the means. They like all this. Go ahead. I have to answer. Why are they not? The gentleman's out of order. The gentleman from Ohio is recognized. Mr. Rose, let me make this one point. Then I'll let yes, you answer. Let me make this one point, sir. Where we've caught you hiding information, then sir? you can answer. Why did you hide the fact that Peter Strzok and Judge Contreras were friends? Why did you redact that in the documents you gave to us? Peter, I mean, Judge Contreras kind of important. FISA court judge, more importantly, just as importantly, the judge that uh, heard Mike Flynn's case. Why did you try to hide that from us? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to respond. I've heard you make those sort of allegations publicly on TV. It's I got the, and, and I if got you let Mr. Chairman, he should be given the opportunity. Now, Mr. Jordan, I am the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, okay? I'm not the person doing the redacting. I'm responsible for responding to your concerns as I have. I have a team with me, sir. It's just a fraction of the team that's doing this work, and whenever you brought issues to my attention, I have taken appropriate steps to remedy them. So your statement that I'm personally keeping information from you, trying to conceal information... You're the boss, Mr. Rosenstein. That's correct. And my job is to make sure that we respond to your concerns. We have, sir. Where are we? Cut six now, Mr. Producer? Go to cut five. More Jordan Rosenstein. Go ahead. But your use of this to attack me personally. Why did you? T- I was wrong. The point of order, Mr. Chairman, may the witness be permitted it's to not, answer the question? It's not personal. The gentleman will suspend. The witness is going to have an opportunity to say whatever he wants at the end of Mr. Jordan's five minutes. Until the it is not those personal. five minutes, they're his time. I appreciate your service. It's not personal. We just want the information. Why did you tell Peter Strzok not to enter our questions yesterday? When I asked, when I asked Peter Strzok if he'd ever communicated with Glenn Simpson, he gave us the answer he gave us dozens of times on advice of FBI counsel. I can't answer that question.
question. Why couldn't he answer that question? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate your sincere concerns, but I didn't give Peter Strzok any instructions. If there was some problem with the instructions he had, I'll be happy to look into it. Not what his left eye lawyer said. Mr. Jordan, when you find some problem with a production or with questions, it doesn't mean that I'm personally trying to conceal something from you. It means we're running an organization that's trying to follow the rules, and we're going to respond. You know what was interesting? When I asked him if he'd ever talked to Bruce Orr, he said he had. He said he had three times in 2016 and 2017. Then I asked him, have you ever talked to Nellie Orr? And he said, no, I haven't. I said, well, why can you answer that question? Because Nellie Orr worked for Glenn Simpson, worked for Fusion. He could answer that question, but he couldn't answer because FBI counsel told him he couldn't. He couldn't answer the question whether he'd ever communicated with Glenn Simpson, a journalist. Why couldn't he answer that question? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate you saying it isn't personal. Sometimes it feels that way. How do I know, sir? I mean, I, you interviewed Mr. Strzok. I didn't, uh, so I can't Works for you. Doesn't work for us. Uh, there are 115,000 people who work for me, sir. There aren't 115,000 people like Peter Strzok, and you do have an obligation to know more. Cut six, go. Mr. Rosenstein, did you threaten staffers on the House Intelligence Committee? Media reports indicate you did. Media reports are mistaken. Sometimes, but this is what they said. Having the nation's number one law enforcement officer threaten to subpoena your calls and emails is downright chilling. Did you threaten to subpoena their calls and emails? No, sir, and there's no way to subpoena phone calls. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. He's not really talking about phone calls. He's talking about phone numbers. That's all right. Go ahead. Press said. I mean, what well, I, I would said. suggest that you not rely on what the press says, sir. Well, I didn't ask if there's no way to do it. I asked if you said it. I said what? What I just read you. No, I did not. Well, now, who are we supposed to believe? Staff members who we've worked with, who've never misled us, or you guys, who we've caught hiding information from us, who tell a witness not to answer our questions. Who are we supposed to believe? Thank you for making clear it's not personal, Mr. Jordan. Well, I, I didn't, I'm saying the you Department of Justice. Because I'm telling the truth and I'm under oath. If you want to put somebody else under oath and they have something different. I know these staff members. <laughs> well, well, well. I wonder if Mr. Rosenstein wonders if he should have taken that job as Deputy Attorney General. You know, it's actually worse than that. He should have recused himself a long time ago, Mr. Rosenstein. We'll be right back. <laughs> you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. The phony sodomy case you're talking about, I think it was 2003 or thereabouts, it was Lawrence versus Texas. And you had a relative handful of states that store these sodomy laws on the books and really never enforce them. And so they had a local case where one, uh, in one case, it was enforced uh, because, uh, well, I'm not going to get into the details because it's a little just not my cup of tea so anyway um, uh, and so it was challenged and it went all the way up and the court seized on it specifically Anthony Kennedy in to lay the foundation for what happened a few years ago same sex marriage and you know even in California uh, when they had a uh, proposition vote uh, the same sex marriage lost and so uh, the court decided to step in the court has nationalized virtually all these cultural issues prayer um, uh, the issue of prayer in the public square if you will and uh, religious issues um, marriage uh, abortion, sex. The court has decided these nine lawyers, and really less than that, when you look at the number in the majority, have decided that they will decide everybody in the country, regardless of the region, regardless of the state, regardless of the various standards in different parts of the country, that they will decide these issues. And that is why the left is so um, radicalized when it comes to everything, particularly the courts and especially the U.S. Supreme Court, because this is how they uh, enshrine and impose so much of their agenda. And, you know, people always say, take it to court, take it to court. If you have a justice sitting there, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is right off the top. You know you can't win your argument because she's not going to apply the Constitution. She's going to twist it to get the results she wants, uh, as the Democrats insist. Uh, you know, I don't know what kind of justice that is. The Supreme Court is way more powerful than it's supposed to be. And then the left basically captures it, captures the quote-unquote precedent, and then insists that you follow the precedent, less so on the Constitution. Suzanne Lynn Call, I very much appreciate it.